It's raining bullshit. It's raining bullshit. Not hallelujah. Not hallelujah. And definitely not amen. Yeah. Although amen, I believe, right? I forgot what it means. Anyway, so like, shitty Catholic. Hi, Jilted Indian podcast listeners. It's Miranda. Pooja. And Aju. And we come with love and courage. We are here to talk about... The model Indian daughter and what that has meant to us growing up, what it means to us now, and how it's a dangerous idea for young girls today, and a couple of things that are appearing in current events that's troublesome. That's the only word I can come up with. Mm -hmm. What am I talking about? Trigger warning for those of you. Parts of what we're going to talk about today include toxic parenting, and you know we're going to touch on... The church and, you know, religion in general. So for those of you who avoid these types of discussions because they are triggers, see you next episode. And and we are going to talk about Sharon Matthews, so that's also a heads up. And this definitely triggers me, so know that you're not alone in that. For those of you who have not heard about this, we are in Texas, so we've been following it. It's a highly publicized case involving a Indian family or diasporic family in our community. So we've been paying extra hard attention Actually, to it. Actually, a Malayali family. So. The Malayali family. And two of us are Malayali. Specific, so, yeah. Yeah. so the Venn diagram left Pooja out of that. But <laughs> um, <laughs> we've, you know, maybe focused on it more than other people would. But just to recap, Sharon Matthews goes missing October 7, 2017. The initial story from her father was that she would not drink her milk. And he put her outside, which led to speculation. In the middle of the night? In the middle middle of the the night. night. Three o'clock in the morning, yeah. Three o'clock in the morning while her mother was asleep. While she was out there, within 15 minutes, she disappeared. So his story is that he had told her to stand underneath a tree in the backyard. They had a non-fenced-in backyard. There was a set of train tracks directly behind their house. Yes. And then 15 minutes later, he came back to check on her, and she was gone. Right. And this was, as Andrew pointed out, around the wee hours of the morn. And at 8.12 a.m. is when the call went into 911 that she had been missing. He went and did laundry. He did laundry. Right during this entire time that his adopted daughter was missing. I think it's important to point out that Cindy Matthews, his wife, is a freaking nurse. You know, there's just a lot of shit that just didn't sound right. I don't think there's a single person out there going, this guy is innocent. Anyone would sense, except for the church of Wesley Matthews. His church raised money to bail him out of jail, even with all of these questions in the air of this even being a truth. They believed him right away. They had the distraught parent face on, and they you know, were trying to play innocent, except when weeks later, and this it all sounded like bullshit to begin with, but weeks later, her body was discovered inside a, what was it, a culvert? Sewer? Yeah. Yeah, a culvert. Mm-hmm. And then immediately Wesley Matthews went to change his story and was arrested. And after that church put all that money together to bail him out, his bail was set at $1 million at that point. And then later on, Cindy Matthews got arrested. First, it's important to note that her lawyer dumped her, like, straight out the gate. Like, there was a lot that was screwed up about this family and a lot about that was the story that was really inconsistent, didn't make sense, and I, everybody else knew it, except then finally it came out. And it turned out that 
They all went to dinner earlier that night, left this poor baby who's developmentally challenged, by developmentally the way. challenged by herself. They took their biological daughter out to dinner and witnesses came out saying that they noticed that the two parents were there with their one daughter and then Cindy Matthews got arrested on endangerment, child endangerment. She turned herself in and it's important to point out that her attorney dumped her. Her attorney was Ken Starr, uh, who dumped Cindy Matthews. So the other thing is that, yes, they have a biological daughter and that young woman, it is procedure in Texas that our child protective services will take the other children into a home where there's a child missing or suspected abuse into custody until it's sorted out. And as of this recording, on the 21st of uh, November, uh, she was finally taken out of foster care and given to a family in Houston. They had to do a home study and all that stuff. The trauma is not just to Sharon and to everybody involved, but this little girl's life, she's four. She won't know why it has been changed. You know, hopefully she won't know why it's been changed. And it she'll changes eventually the Yeah, she'll figure it out. Yeah. The internet exists. Yeah. Yeah. Just to point that out, and Sharon was developmentally challenged and she was grossly underweight. So the initial stories was that she had to drink her milk in order to get her back to a normal white weight. And the regimen apparently was she had to be eating when she was awake <laughs> yeah. you know when she was awake uh, and I one thing I read was every 30 minutes I think but she should she should have been taking in some kind of nutrient so you know she was on a strict diet and it's understandable um you know that somebody would be frustrated but at the same time I'm really surprised first of all that Indian people adopted children this is a story that's new to me I feel like that's a stigma we don't do it is a stigma and then I it's a stigma I have strong feelings about that too and I also am shocked that they knowingly adopted a child with developmental they may not have known when they adopted her that she had developmental abilities well I mean she was disabilities. She was underweight then. That's true. You know, and she right. had to have, you know, I've seen moms comment on this about how here are the signs. Lots you know, of moms are commenting like, on Like, why this. was she so underweight for three and blah, 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 blah. And you, you would have, you don't suddenly lose weight as a child without raising red flags and, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know anything about this. And it's important for us to point out that when we talk about this, we're coming from a place of observers. We're not parents and we don't. We profess to speak from that angle when we're discussing this. The first thing I thought when this whole story went down is I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that a kid is being abused in an Indian home. I'm just not, I'm not surprised about it. Anju, you said you were surprised. I was definitely surprised. Um, But for me, I'm not surprised by that. I'm not the only one I know who comes from a home where kids were disciplined with physical harm. It's just not surprising to me that some sociopath went too far, killed his child, and instead of like reporting that his daughter's choking on something, calling 911, he buried her. They tried to hide her body, tried to lie. Like, Did laundry. And, and that the Indian community was fighting so hard for him to look innocent that his church bailed him out because they can't have the slightest message of Indian men being these uh, child-abusing woman haters. I just felt like there was a cover-up that was beginning to happen that was impossible to hold. But I just wasn't surprised by it. I mean, a minority. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I don't know that the church was involved in the cover-up, but they definitely desperately wanted to believe that there was some innocent explanation, for sure. And so we have to talk about this model minority, misogynistic, 
child abusing. Toxic Indian man masculinity is different than general toxic masculinity. Aggressive patriarchal bullshit that we have going on with uh, Indian men. And by proxy Indian women. Right. Who buy into that patriarchal view. Right. So just, you know, recap on the timeline. October 7th, Amber Alert goes out. October 8th, at some point, the Amber Alert stops because she was not kidnapped. She's just missing. So there's a difference in that. FBI was involved. October 22nd, Sharon's body was found. And then the father came back and changed the story about she he was force-feeding her milk in the garage. And then um, last week, the mother turned herself in. And that's when the stories came out about they went out to dinners. Why continue to lie at this point? The FBI is involved. Like, you think you're smarter than the FBI? Like, right. Or what, what smarter is, than evidence? Yeah, yeah. What, what is this? <laughs> you know? Like, Not to mention your credibility is already at shit. You've already been caught lying multiple times. Like, right. What's the point? If we are part of the human population, we as Indian people in Indian diaspora, we need to accept that there are evil people as part of our demographic that there are Indian people out there that think just because they've gotten away with the abuse of children and the abuse of women thus far, that they could continue with it mm-hmm. and, and just get away with it. And that's not the case. You can be arrested. You can be tried. You can be put in jail for the rest of your life. You can be reported. You can be... You can uh, face consequences. Yes, you can face consequences. And you can be, I'm sorry, but the model minority is dead. We are in the Trump era. And the color of your skin, if you have color in your skin, you are not protected. So let's just be real here. Like you, that whole jumping in on the end of the civil rights era, post British Raj model minority stuff, it doesn't work anymore. I mean, in this particular context, I don't think it's model minority in the sense of being afraid of what pi- white people are going to think, you know, or, or being held I up very much higher think it is that. than other races. In this particular case, model minority is just wanting to believe that we are better. Right. We are better than this. It's okay, not about what, how an external view. It's just an internal view. We want to think that this doesn't happen in our community. Our right. people of color contribute to society. We're not a threat. We take care of our kids. We yes. take care of our yeah, family. We're not trash. Right. We're models. Yeah. So that bubble's being burst right now. And right now a lot of sex abuse and sexual assault victims are speaking out against the people that did that to them. And I just think it's time to air out all the dirty laundry. It is. It is kind of a time of flipping over all the rocks. Yes. You know what this makes me think of? That scene in Monsoon's wedding. Where... Oh my God, yes. Spoiler alert, it's a 15-year-old film. That's your spoiler. <laughs> um, Wait, have you oh, still Miranda, not seen it? I haven't la, seen la, it. Damn it. Oh. But if you've seen, you know what we're talking about. Okay, we are going to do the Monsoon Wedding episode soon. Yes, we will. So Miranda can see it. So Miranda can see it. But just know, it's like my point there being, there's this huge reckoning happening, and you don't really hear about women of color coming forward and mass as being victims. And when Lupita came forward, Harvey Weinstein, that's the only statement he issued. It wasn't, I didn't do that to her, you know? And so I feel like when all of this is coming forward, it's like the brown community, the South Asian community has a different reckoning to come forward with. Cause it's like, I feel like it's gonna come in waves in that it rocks our community before it rocks 
a community. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you know, like you were speaking earlier about the church and how that, you know, I would hate to be a member of that congregation because it's like, what's the civil war happening within that now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know? you gave money. You gave you money. You may not have tithes for that, but the to church. To take a sociopath out of jail yeah. who needed to be in jail. And, you, you know, know I mean? and, the, and the thing is, I totally empathize with that that reflexive no Pooja you were the one who told me that that they were questioning the mom and I was like I really need the mom to not know like I really need oh yeah yeah, yeah. you're hoping not it's know. not as horrible because as it sounds. you know like I think of Indian women for the most part like I'm so used to this patriarchal society in which they're kind of the word I want to use is, is a Malayalam term pavam but, but you know like they're just they tend to be they're the nurturers and they're kind of innocent and sort of so in under the wing of their their husbands usually that I'm just like I I can't even imagine an Indian woman in jail you know what I mean like but, I don't know how she'd survive there's no option to not buy into the patriarchy they're raised into this patriarchy and that means that they're sort of raised almost handicapped like they're never really allowed to, to stand on their own two feet but they won't tell you that I find it weird that Anji you have that image of it but that image exists for me but with the dichotomy of the manipulative auntie that's why I said oh she's involved and I gave this story about. My mom and dad had a f- screaming match for two days about how he does not close the microwave quietly when he goes down to snack <laughs> in the middle of the night and the kitchen is above, is below their bedroom and she can hear that and it wakes her up, the microwave. So an aspirating child and a frustrated man in the middle of the night didn't wake you up. That I mean, was my trigger. Like people sleep differently. Okay, I could have a brass band walking through my living room, and I probably would still. Sleep I don't even it. think this is here or there. No, they are guilty as fuck. Yeah, and they can rot in jail for all I care. Yeah, I just think that we need to not stand up for them, and we need to not perpetuate that this shit's okay. And I can't wait until more empowered women speak up for themselves and throw abusive husbands, abusive fathers. And abusive, who names it, even if it's the women that are being abusive. I want them in jail. I want them held accountable. I don't give a fuck about your mono-minority status anymore. Like, it's funny because how many people watched Hassan's comment about you slap an Indian kid, you bruise their soul. Mm -hmm. Like, that joke was not made with one person who had just happened to have one particular experience. He was speaking about the experience of thousands of people and how you know think about it that was people yeah that's carried on you know what i mean that so people don't talk about it it goes on to the next parent family situation and then it goes on it and it goes on and it goes on and it never ends until it's talked about yeah it's the cycle of toxic parenting and then we also want to talk about how that manifests into what we can talk about with expertise the model daughter god damn it and potential dangers it brings for children and young women not only in india but in america i don't know about y'all but i think i've said this more than once i'm a shitty indian not the kind of daughter you brag about kind of daughter that's kind of what brought us all together miranda (laughs) (laughs) happy anniversary anniversary. (laughs) that's tomorrow you know what today is tomorrow that's tomorrow it's up. Right? Because it was, was, so it was it, a Wednesday. It was the Wednesday, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah, so it's tomorrow. So yeah, we're on the eve of... Our one-year anniversary. One-year anniversary of deciding to have a voice. I would cry if I wasn't still drunk. No. <laughs> Do you know what tomorrow is? It's our anniversary. There's no time like the present to talk about the model Indian daughter. For me, growing up, 
It was somebody who could speak her parents' language, somebody who is academically strong, somebody who is well-behaved and quiet. And, and obedient. And obedient. Someone who was culturally sound. So for us, it was girls who can dance. But not the yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I was none of those things. Basically, so. for me and Miranda, this was one person to <laughs> whom we were forever compared. Yes. <laughs> And she's a sweetheart, too. Yeah. So we don't... There's no bad blood or anything. No. And she... Ugh. We were shitty. We were just shitty. And I didn't know that you felt this way, too. I didn't know you felt this way. You don't know this. I... But when we were kids growing up, I always wanted to be more like you because you always seemed like it didn't bother you. Like, you were just super cool. So full of shit. You showed up at Indian things wearing, like, American clothes, which I was never allowed to do, and you just seemed like you didn't give a shit. And I was like, why can't I be like Miranda? That is awesome. (laughs) This is news to me. (laughs) This is news to me. I was wearing all those things, but it was... Probably much to the chagrin of my parents, and I felt hated. And at least they let you out of the house, which is more than my mother would have done. That's true. Well, the thing is that you did eventually do what your parents did, and I was still the shittiest kid at the party. So we both lost. (laughs) I guess so. We both lost. I don't know if I'm the perfect person to talk about this because I feel like I am the model daughter. Boo. Get off this episode. I know. In the sense that, well, I feel like my siblings will have a different description for what the model daughter was. Because in some sense, I feel like all model anything is, is somebody who doesn't embarrass you and knows their role. Like, that to me is what the model daughter is. And and I would not be who I am today if my parents expected that from me. But at the same time, I brought home awesome grades. I never went out. I made sure my friends came over so we didn't have to go out. (laughs) Um, My parents knew my friends and they didn't know about the secrets I kept from them, hopefully. And, uh, (laughs) And, but at the same time, like I know my siblings struggled with, Oh, you're Pooja's sister. Oh, you're Pooja's brother. Oh, you're Pooja's blah, blah, blah. And I'm and all I can say is I'm sorry. Like, first of all, I slay all day. (laughs) Um, And so, I I mean, this sounds really big-headed, but no, I just... The model daughter, to me, didn't come out as something inherently toxic. It was something like, we have so much going on right now. Just do your best to not make a wave, you know? Like, but not in a bad way, but more in the... We we don't know what's going on right now. We're still immigrants, this and that. Just do what you were doing back home. But back home, where I was at, like, the middle of the class... In America, I was like, number one. (laughs) I'm like, oh, this is great. That peaked in high school. But, you know, (laughs) but like the model daughter model to me never came out negatively, at least that I don't see more than other things that may have been done subconsciously by my parents and raising me in America that may have affected me more. Because I think their concept of what a model daughter is took place in Trinidad and because we're not there, like the mo- the framework is broken, so you can't be the model right at that point. So that did not phase our parents. I feel like they expected us to be the perfect Indian daughter, even though we were not in India. Well, I wonder if maybe because my parents thought we were perfect. Like, I wonder if that's why. Because you were like, second, twice removed diaspora, so mm-hmm. maybe there was a little bit of moving around in different cultures for you. Well, I mean, in the sense that every culture has their model daughter. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So it does, like, to me, that doesn't matter. So I, I, but I feel like 
maybe we were the good ones and that the rest of the the cousins and everybody got compared to us. I don't know. I just know, I know that I see the model daughter thing and model anything or expectations anything put up against me and you know that I'm going to question it. So it's never, to me, the model was never expected for me to follow. Like I was raised to be rebellious whether they know it or not. So I will question <laughs> everything. So being a model anything wasn't in my bag, right? But I realized that I may have been the model mm -hmm. unwittingly for other people. Well, I just, I think I have too much of my dad. My dad was always a rebel, and he was the one who didn't like conform to what society expected. So I don't. I think he did, and he didn't expect us to be the perfect Indians. But I think I have too much of him in me, which is why I was just like, mm, "This is who I am." Sorry, you know. And it didn't really impact me as terribly as it might have other people um i will say that i set the bar real low for my sister so it was easy for her to clear mm -hmm. you're welcome cub <laughs> and the whole reason why we brought up the model daughter concept and we wanted to talk about what dangers it creates for girls who don't and young women who, who don't do live not up to prescribe that. right i know i had safety or i had protection but on the other hand, I was 100% not safe on the inside. I was, I'm a survivor of complex trauma and one of those parts is emotional trauma. And so I'm feeling isolated. You're subject to depression, anxiety. Uh, we are wired to be in groups. And when you feel like you're alone as a kid, you're gonna cling to whatever you can. Luckily, I got into music and I found my people there for until I you know, grew up. But uh, there's other things out there like drugs, there's love addiction, there's you name that addiction. There's an addiction for everything. But what it does is it makes the girl susceptible to finding belonging elsewhere. And if it is through numbing, it'll be through numbing. If it is through codependency, it'll be through codependency. If it's through hell knows you know I, I don't know there's like so many ways that a girl can cope with feeling alone and then there's the other side of the coin where reprimand is given for not being model i don't find that this is unrelated to what went on with the sharon matthews case these people adopted a daughter i bet you they didn't know she had disabilities when they adopted her and if you have a controlling nature, like when you feel that your children are a reflection of you, and that's the real problem, is that if your daughter is not a reflection of you as a person, and if your daughter's failures are your failures, and if your daughter's triumphs are your triumphs, which they are not, you've got to treat your daughters like they are individuals. You've got to teach them how to have autonomy when they're growing up. If your daughter steps out of line, there's reprimand and we're not, I think that this uh, murder is an example of that reprimand gone wrong, completely wrong. And not having any accountability for it again for the reasons we listed. And my problem with the whole model daughter thing is like who gets to say who the model daughter is? Is it your parents or is it the people who your parents are modeling you to marry into? It's to, about the patriarchy. To prove, too. yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's like you hear about It's the standard that killings. the society has, has set. Yeah. And you hear about in-laws saying, well, I was promised a cow. You got me a goat. Like referring to human women. You know, like essentially like I was promised one thing and, and you lied to me and I got a defective product. You know, it's like the whole 
system of being a model daughter slash woman slash wife slash, you know, sister slash grandmother is there's no standard of behavior for Indian men in that sense. And I know that every culture has their model version, but we're talking specifically about, you know, our diasporas and the South Asian influence of that for this episode. But And I'd be interested to hear about what the model is for other cultures because I feel like, you know, we are expected as Indian women to be like what you were saying, to be the perfect daughter. And then once you're done being the perfect daughter, you become the perfect wife. And then you move and on immediately to perfect mother. And then while you were doing all of that, you're supposed to be the perfect employee. Yeah, that's women's shame in general over the world. But yeah. like, this could go wrong in one of two ways. Assault. Yeah. Uh, domestic abuse. Or this could also be the woman self-destructs. The woman destroys herself. Just trying to be all of these things for everyone. You know what? I bet you there are examples of families who had their daughters uh, get into Bharatanatyam and make good grades and were quiet and were well-behaved. You know, and, and I'm sure that they married well. And I'm sure that they love their lives and they're happy with who they are. I'm sure that there are examples of loving and nurturing families. I'm sure there's examples of loving and nurturing families. But we've got to be real here. It didn't turn out that way Mm-mm. for so many women. And I'm one of them. I'm one of those non-model daughters, and I didn't have it good. I've fought tooth and nail to get out of that. I just think that this is what the underlying issue to reasons why things like what happened to Sharon Matthews happens, is we're not talking about the root of the problem. And so there's another kid that's going to get hurt this way. The push to be this model, this pinnacle of behavior or whatever you're supposed to be, it manifests itself, I feel like, in so many different ways. It's not just your appearance. It's not just your brains. It's not just how you carry yourself. It's how do you make chai? How do you address your elders? How often do you go to your house of worship? How good of a mother are you? How this, how this. Not how... Who are you? Exactly. What are you like? What is your growth story this week? What's, yeah, what, <laughs> what interests you? How did you not manage to kill your children this week? Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> it's definitely not who are you as a person. It's how do you fit into what we find valuable. Right. And going back to that thing, like, and maybe because we are women, I don't see that rubric. I mean, I get that there's the model son. I get it. There's the model son who is... That model is not something they have to work. There's a, I feel like, I feel like there's a model for the perfect son, but there are no consequences for not achieving that model. It's the way that there are for, for women. In fact, I bet you they would blame the mother for the son's problems much sooner than they would blame the son. Absolutely. And we the mother speak. would blame herself. Yeah, yeah. Under yeah, underachieving Indian men are much easier to accept than underachieving Indian women. Yeah, I think so. We touched on the idea of adoption, and I'm curious about how that affects the situation because the fact that she was adopted, I think, is an interesting wrinkle because we did talk about how there's a kind of a stigma about adoption. It's not something that is very common within Indian communities, and I, I do wonder how much of what happened to her is because she wasn't their biological daughter. That's a very interesting point. I never looked at it like that in my entire the entire time I was thinking of, you know, because they left her at home to go have dinner that final night of her life. Um, I was thinking, oh, it's because she would raise too many questions if she was out in public with them. Oh yeah, she's underweight. She doesn't she doesn't eat 
Like she would be a burden to them other than like the adopted thing. It's you know, like I didn't look at it with that wrinkle as well. I looked at it as she was treated that way because she was differently abled. Mm. Yeah. And I think that uh, Andrew raised an interesting point. Would she have belonged to them if she was a model daughter? She didn't belong to them. Or if she wasn't, but she was their biological daughter. Yeah. Like, I wonder if they would have treated her better if she wasn't someone that they had to actually love. And this is such a fucking stereotype about Indian people, too. Like, in the whole, if you're not my blood, you're second class. You know, like... Yeah. It's something that enrages me because I have a, a cousin in India who was adopted. She's an only child. And we obviously always treated her. But I remember when she was getting married, it was, and I remember being really surprised about this, but it was a thing that she was adopted, mm-hmm. that it was hard to find her a good match because of the fact that she was adopted, because people care about that. Because when they're talking about arranged marriages, they're talking about, they're looking at your family and all of these, these artificial traits to prove that you're a good person, a good match for their son. And if they don't the know sign, your biological, but yeah, but if they don't know your biological history, they can't know if you're a good match. You know what I mean? Like that's Unless, where it comes from. Like they don't know if you have a history of mental illness. They don't ha- know if you have a history of any kind of illness. Really, they don't. They, there's an unknown variable that they can't factor for, and that automatically makes you. It's like okay, you don't know if I'm adopted. You don't know my family history with mental illness. But if I am born of a crazy fucking family, you also don't know because they'll suppress that shit. Yeah. Right. So but, what do you know? But it's an artifice. But the idea within Indian communities is that Indian communities like that shit will come out. Like there will be rumors. They'll 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 be able to find out that information if there is a rumor of something in theory. But if they don't know what your biological family is, they can't identify it. And the thing with rumors, too, is like, are you jealous? Did you start this because you're jealous? Like, what? I mean, there's all kinds there's of issues. There's holes in this whole framework. I mean, this, this entire <laughs> premise of arranged marriages and the things that they look at is problematic because it yeah. is all on paper and it is generally misses the point. has it been so sustained if it's so shitty? Like, this is a genuine question I have. Like, how has the rubric of arranged marriage and finding things like that and always reneging and finding... Because that is the system in India, just like the system here is something else. But, like, it is the system and it has its flaws, but it still works because there's no alternative. It works because it serves men. Yes, and and absolutely it's patriarchal. And absolutely it's enforced by this patriarchy and these sets of systems. And anything that doesn't fit in that is sort of dismissed as not exemplary. But... I mean, it's fucked up, absolutely. But that's always been my issue with arranged marriage is ultimately that they're looking at bullshit that doesn't matter. Like, how much money do you make? And, you know... What is their earning potential? Right. You know, what family do you come from? And, you know, what what have they accomplished? Yeah, it's all artificial, but it misses really important things like, are you a drunk? Kind of important. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... Do you have a gambling problem? Right. Do you beat women? Are you a narcissist? And you know, like yeah, these are these exactly. are things that actually matter in a marriage. Although, Do you completely have a narcissist, family? A narcissist won't answer yes, <laughs> but a narcissist knows they're narcissist. Yeah. Right. Anyway, this is a danger. This is a danger to women. It's a danger to children, and that makes this an abusive aspect of traditions within a culture. There. It's definitely it definitely creates a space for abuse for sure. Yes. Does it create a space for abuse or is it the excuse for abuse? It's the excuse for abuse and it is also the foundation for it. Yeah. So do Um, better. Right. Well the other part of that is the church part of it. The church rushing to their defense and that leads to the idea of problematic like the toxic church. The toxic church, basically. Um I don't know what your experience was at church or temple 
but I was a shitty kid in church too. When it comes to faith, isn't it kind of important to belong? Or, or at least church? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think it's important for faith. I do think it's part important for church, for a religious community. That is definitely part of it. Yeah. But, like, the question then becomes... Says the person who's never been a part of one. Does it make me not believe? Well, not only does it make you not believe, but it's like... Well, yes. Like, what role has, the, has your house of worship played in enforcing model behavior? And then also, like, how do you react to that? And I'm very invested in my worship family, so to speak. I was explaining to somebody, to Rashi yesterday, that my goal with my house of worship is because it is a very small community that was started by South African and Caribbean diasporic Indians. Our worship style is different. And I feel like the older the congregation gets, the less of an anthropological record we will have of our existence. So I'm very committed in making sure that is preserved for the future, or at least for my personal benefit. And, um, and hopefully like make the other generations realize that, Hey, here's a community that these people built from scratch again, second diaspora to do that. It's significant. It's important. But at the same time, I do see how the role of women, the traditional role of an Indian woman is enforced by people who come into the church. Not necessarily our local visiting priests who come to give lectures. Like one of them said uh, this last summer or something about, you know, a woman does a big sin if she ever leaves her kid. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I have 14 studies I can show you right now where that not is not necessarily true. You know, like what sin are you talking about? A moral sin or like the sin of neglect? Like what are you talking about? Blanket statements like that. And I make sure that they are addressed in a forum where young women can hear. Mm-hmm. I will never disrespect somebody, but I go back behind and clear things up because I will be damned if my temple one day shows up on the news as somebody who takes a stand for uh, sati, like yeah. jumping on the funeral pyre for those who don't know. Like, no, that's not the role of a woman. And I will say this, like our temple is led primarily by women. So I feel like that is one thing I can say about my worship community is that enforcing the modelness is, is on the way out because even if they want to, they can't around me. <laughs> <laughs> my experience of being the model daughter at church, A, never felt like I was a model daughter, but I will say that it was an exercise in people watching. Like people were always watching. They were always watching your behavior and it was always ascribed to the family, you know, so-and-so trouble kid troubled kid of yada yada parents and so there was even a clothing aspect to it so and so was wearing a sari so and so was wearing her nice indian clothes and then there was the behavioral aspect did you speak to the father to the priest in a certain way did you bow and genuflect a certain way are you singing along in the hymns do you speak the language they even phonetically spelled out all the malayalam words like for the kids to participate in the mass because they really wanted us to do it but i just couldn't go and not understand what i'm saying i just can't you can't make me prayerful speaking a language i don't understand it was weird because it was something for my parents it was never for me it's funny because i didn't have that experience like i've talked about how my dad's an atheist my mom was catholic 
So we went to American Catholic Church with my mom when we were growing up. And then the only time I went to Indian Church was when I was, like, for holidays, when we were around my dad's family, we would go to their Indian Church. And it was always performative, you know? Like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I had to cover my head and wear Indian clothes. I didn't really understand why. And I just remember, like, didn't understand a word because it wasn't in English. And just watching my older cousins for when I'm supposed to stand, when I'm supposed to sit, am I supposed to bow my head, am I supposed to, you know, like, kneel, just just kind of mimicking what I'm seeing and having absolutely no understanding of what is happening and wondering when it was going to end. But yeah, it was just like wishing I could be invisible because I knew that I didn't fit in. Yeah, and it's so funny because if we were not Indian girls of... Indian parents in America say it was one of my friends who are white they would go to a situation like that and be like ooh the colors and then they would you know because there's no expectation of that musician friends of mine would be like digging the music they would be like they'd be checking out the cultural aspects of it which truthfully uh, I've never had an eye for the cultural aspects of my church because it's always been like an emotional jail to me so you know I loved some of the the few of the friends that I had and you know I was talking earlier about one of the church elders who passed away recently he brought us together we had lots of social time and it was important for me as a kid because I didn't feel like it belonged anywhere um, bringing us together to hang out but I still felt like I was constantly being judged as a daughter of my parents. Oh, I felt that way every time I was around Indian people, period. But not even without the church as a framework, just in general. Mm. And so... And always failing. (laughs) I gotta say, that distracted me from the whole point of even being there. Like, it it was a children's show. Like, whose children are the most exemplary show and then i guess through your religious action who's the best child i don't know this didn't i don't know if this went through the head of any of my friends i know it went went through my head and it's problematic because now we're intertwining religion with model behavior and it's a problem which only serves men i agree i i try very hard not to intertwine model behavior with religion because i struggle with religion to begin with and so i don't want anything convoluting that so if you know i mean if you go if you worship with me you know anytime anybody says anything my hand is in the air because i have a question for you and um and i don't accept i don't accept you know simple answers like well that was their karma i'm like no we wrote the book on karma there's a reason for this and so you know but um going back to what you said I just, maybe I am, maybe I am the worst person in the world. Maybe I am the model that everybody's like, well, look at Pooja. Because, and (laughs) pardon me, in my worship community, my parents don't go. They hadn't gone for the last like five, six years regularly. I go. And so it's like, I'm not doing it for it to be reflective of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I do it because I'm compelled to, for the reasons I stated earlier. However, um, I don't necessarily, I, I do see, I do see where things like telling your daughter to all, to sit quietly and make sure your langa doesn't, you know, you sit a certain way. So you're not exposing yourself. That's general good life advice for both genders. Um, but like when you say things like 
you should be wearing an you know, Indian outfit to come worship every Sunday. I'm like, nah, you should be wearing non-see-through clothes that don't smell. See a Sunday. Like, <laughs> I make sure those messages are gone out because I will be damned that we live in an oppressed state like that. Like, so if, if, if you believe, if you're a believer and you go there to bask in the joy, the glory, the calm, the peace, whatever... Be, having rules that restrict that might as well stay home. Like, what's your goal here? You know, house of worship. We live in a, we live in a time where people are leaving. Our age, our generation is leaving or not attending churches and jer- oh, for girls sure. for these exact reasons. So, what are you doing to change that? If you truly believe the message is worth spreading, so I think that in order to make church important again. Uh, and and something that is actually useful, you got to remove all of the oppressive natures of it. And right now, there's so much oppression, and even and the, hypocrisy and hypocrisy, and so much that even the churches that are trying to do right can't get people in the doors. I've as a freelance musician, I go to lots of church services, and I've gone to the same several of the same churches over and over again over the years, and I'm telling you. Five, six, seven years ago, the United Methodist Church, I would see the pews filled to the brim in Easter Christmas services. Now they can barely fill the church. So much that they didn't even have um, an orchestra for their... So much so that the money is so much lower that this particular church couldn't have a full orchestra for their first week of Advent. They have it every single year. I've been always been able to count on that happening. And I've been to other Methodist churches that are suffering the same. And the, f- the sad thing is, is that they're having the conversations that churches should be having. Um, the First United Methodist Church in Dallas brought in Glennon Doyle Mel- Melton. They brought in a, um, they've brought in religious leaders from other religions to sit down, talk about their faith with them. And this pastor, I think he's great. Um, he has a sit down with these people and he wants to know um, all about them. He wants to know what they believe and what we can come to understand about them and what they, you know, it's precisely what the church should be doing, but it's too little too late. But you know, what's so interesting about that is that's kind of problematic when you think about it. If the people who are leaving the churches are the people who are on the more progressive end of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. that continues this problem that we're having culturally and societally in America of Christianity being co-opted by the people who are the most conservative and regressive. Right. That's the same thing with Hinduism. Yes. There's the Hindu Federation or Foundation of America that is extremely conservative. And anytime somebody sends me a link from them, I'm like, don't put this, don't, don't. And that's one of the reasons I stay in my temple. I used to be president of my temple in 2009. I refuse to ever do it again. It's a lot of work. But because of those exact things, like I don't want to see a community die. And if me saying, no, a woman shouldn't have to prove her purity by immolating herself, don't tell the story anymore. Yeah. I will do that. You know, because I don't necessarily care about that specific parable being passed down. Mm -hmm. I care about knowing that there are brown women of your background who had struggles that you can learn from and you know exist. That's what I care about. So that's why I morally can't leave my temple, even though I necessarily don't believe in a lot of things that a lot of worship aspects. Yeah, BTW, we're all agnostic um, (laughs) here. So we're just talking about experience. And so, okay, so it's not just toxic parenting 
and the model daughter. It's also religious example that we're dealing with as far as being model is concerned and how little it's doing for women. In fact, how dangerous it is for women. We could go deeper into like the purity problem, the, the vision of the pure woman in religion. We could go down that rabbit hole, but I think we're going to save it for our nationalism conversation that we'll be having in a future episode. We want to urge you, if you are of a particular faith, how do you feel that you or your family or your church community is, or your community of fellow Indians or whatever nationality you are, if you are of a diaspora from any country, how do you feel your community is working toward giving women individual identifying characteristics outside of the model daughter rubric? How can we empower girls in church? How can we empower girls in our communities and women in our communities? And how can we shake ourselves loose from this model daughter issue? Because we don't want to have more Sharon Matthews. We don't want to hear more stories about that. We don't want to hear about churches bailing out psychopaths that should not be bailed out of jail. We want our girls to be safe. So with that, feel free to comment on your ideas. Please tell us some good stories. We would like to hear that as well. And you can tell us those great stories by reaching us on Twitter at JiltedIndianPod.com or any other social media platform. You can find us at JiltedIndianPod. Ah, and always please like and subscribe. We're on <laughs> iTunes and Stitcher and Google Music now. Yes. Yay. Yay. Music. Until then, girls, we're here for you. Any uh, victim of the model trope, we're here for you. This has been Miranda. Anju. And Pooja. With the Jilted Indian Podcast. Go in peace and power. Come with love and courage. <laughs>